You're listening to The Profile. Hello and welcome to The Profile podcast. I'm Andy Peck. Maybe you have a leadership role, or maybe you're just seeking to use your influence in godly ways. You will know that leadership can be a bit of a roller coaster, wonderful highs, crushing lows, and an awful lot of daily grind. Sometimes you need advice and encouragement from people who can relate to your situation. This is why for the past 18 years I've been interviewing Christians in the world of leadership, from churches, charities and commercial and non-commercial settings. I've been aiming to support Christians just like you, so you can honour God, who is our ultimate leader. I trust that this next conversation will be an inspiration to you. This show is brought to you by Premier Christianity magazine, the UK's leading Christian magazine. Get full online access and the print magazine every month by becoming a subscriber. See special offers available now at premierchristianity.com. If you identify with the words business as usual, then my conversation today may not be for you. But stick around anyway, you may be inspired. I start this way because my guest works with Christian leaders who've realised that church business as usual is unlikely to cut it, certainly within the communities in which they're living and also in the vast array of cultures that inhabit our world. He's a pastor and missiologist who is the founder of Missional Labs, an interdisciplinary community that works to launch new imaginative ministry ventures in our modern missional context. His name is Tyler Preeb. He's based in New York City, but travels widely, including to London. And I'm delighted that he's joining me to help us think afresh about what we typically do as Christians in leadership. So, Tyler, lovely to have you on the Leadership Show. Yeah, thanks so much. Thanks for having me. Glad to be here. So tell me about your journey to setting up Missional Labs. If you can kind of give me the potted version. The potted version. Well, the the simple answer um, has to do with COVID and and post-COVID and, and wanting to help uh, step into that space um, in some new ways as, as disruptive and destructuring as that was. There's, there's a much longer story as well, which has to do with um, just, maybe I'll say this, um, designing uh, the program that I wish I had had as a young leader um, to figure out what to do with my sense of ministry call and, um, and kingdom energy and kingdom imagination. Uh, I think, you know, I've I, just, I guess, quick narrative, done a number of things, including being a pastor, help plant a church. I've led a large missions organization. I've worked with um, entrepreneurs in, in a business startup environment. And I just kept thinking um, very deeply with the Lord about what does, what does innovation look like in this cultural moment? What does imagination look like? Um, what are the, what are the leaders and the ministries that are going to reach the next 10 years, 30 years, 50 years going to look like? Uh, and I just really, really felt a call to step into that space and try to figure that out. Um, and so, you know, labs is just kind of a, um, a nod to the idea of innovation or the idea of, of researching and researching and exploring new, um, new solutions to old problems, I guess. But I uh, just wanted to um, create a space where we could reflect missiologically on what God is doing next um, and begin to equip some leaders and send some people out into, uh, to explore some of those new, new frontiers and new challenges that we face across 
evangelism and discipleship and church planting, and Christian leadership formation, and all these sorts of things. Um, and just asking what, what does it look like to do that in, you know, in the 21st century? Tyler, you'll be familiar with the fact that some people who are on cutting edge uh, are also kind of deconstructing their faith and going into new places. You're fairly uh, orthodox in your understanding of, of what the missional task mm. is. Yes, of course. I mean, the, the thing we, do, we don't need a, a softer gospel. We need a more robust gospel. Um, you know, I think that, I think that that's been one of the big uh, liabilities, potentially even mistakes of a lot of, of um, missional efforts is, is just, you know, an overfixation on the relevance, which becomes a syncretism and all kinds of things. And that doesn't actually, um, in the long run, provide the answers that people need, the answers that culture needs. And I think we see both in the gospel or in, in the gospels in the New Testament and in church history, that it's when the spirit um, really sets people's hearts uh, on fire with a deep love for Jesus and a deep sense of, of continuity with the story of what God's been doing in the world. Uh, that they're actually the most activated and animated for permission to be sent out into the world. Um, so I think we actually need a more robust um, mission that is anchored in deeper theology and deeper uh, connectivity with the Holy Spirit, not less, you need more. No, it's fa fabulous to hear, Tyler. Uh, so you'll know, uh, Tyler, that both sides of the Atlantic, Christianity is typically practiced in church communities, gathered in a building, staff supported by the congregation. Uh, looking at what you're doing in missional labs, what bits of that you think, yeah, amen to that? And what bits do you think are restricting us from uh, reaching our culture? Sure. Um, you know, from a, from a historical perspective, uh, there was a really influential um, American mystiologist about 50 years ago named Ralph Winter. And he, he wrote a landmark essay that talked about how through church history, God has always moved through both uh, the local congregational structure and also the more um, mobile, uh, call it missional structure, um, and how these two things in, end up in dynamic interaction with one another. The local church um, is for everybody. It welcomes you in, it forms you, it invites you into community, and invites you into a reconciling body of local people in a community that cross um, race and class and all sorts of things. Uh, but the missionary community is a is a second decision um, vocationally uh, to participate in the expansion of the gospel through your through your life and through your work. And there are organizations that exist to advance that, to support that. In in England, you had all of the various um, you know societies, the Bible societies, the mission societies. Uh, those have evolved into some of our um, our nonprofits and missions organizations and parachurch organizations. And I think when they're done well, I think we need both of those. And maybe to get to your point, um, I think that um, the past 20 to 30 years, at least in the American context, uh, have been a very strong emphasis on church planting uh, as the primary means of missional advancement. I would actually probably be pretty friendly and pretty familiar to that um, paradigm, um, you know, with Tim Keller and so many others. Uh, that's been a big part of the context of my work and life here in New York. But one, one of the things that I think happens is that sometimes if you jump straight to church planting, uh, you actually skip past some of the, let's say, the, the, the forks in the road um, that might make discipleship look a little bit different. And, uh, you know, as I've begun to um, look around the place and, and see 
just even in our church community and beyond, there's, there's a lot of people that probably would never raise their hand to become a church planter. Uh, but there's a lot of people that um, are starting discipleship communities of various sorts, maybe in their, in their workplace, maybe in their uh, apartment complex, maybe in their neighborhood, maybe in their friend circle. And so I began to look around and say, you know, I, I think one of the things that's happening is we're actually being a little myopic on some of the new structures and some of the new communities and some of the new things that God is, is stirring up. If we're only filtering them through the lens of our traditional church planting playbooks you know, or our fresh expressions or, the, or our pathways and systems for, you know, all that sort of stuff, those things exist for a reason and they're very good. But I think there are sometimes um, emerging organizational forms that maybe we overlook uh, that are actually very, very alive and very, very full of of gospel life and potency and disciple making and and things that are happening. And so, uh, all that to say is, I think churches, especially if they're mature, um, kind of healthy local churches, have a ha- have an opportunity to see themselves as um, greenhouses for discipleship um, in a way that can spin off and launch all sorts of new things. Uh, and maybe the new things that are launched out don't necessarily look traditionally like church plants, but they are um, they're incredibly fruitful um, towards the goal of um, evangelization and disciple making. Um, I can think of a number of examples in, in New York and lots of other places, but uh, I think we have to have a paradigm for um, not just church planting as the only legitimate organizational form, but rather for equipping missional leaders um, to go make disciples and then to to give them permission to go do that. And so that, that's a big part of what we've been, of what I've been sort of thinking about and exploring is, um, it, or is in this, that space. Well, that's, that's really helpful. You used the, the, the words fresh expression. Um, you may be familiar with the fact that in the UK, fresh expressions were an element of the church of England. And so some of our listeners mm-hmm. will be familiar with the idea of, you know, church being, well, I say church in quotes, <laughs> or evangelism being done within communities of people who wouldn't naturally come into church. So skateboarding community or a surfing mm-hmm. community or um, uh, maybe a charitable project, kind, you know, ecology or something like that. And, and people are gathered around a project and then the, the gospel is shared naturally with those people. So talk to me about your kind of missional labs. What are the sorts of things that your people are coming together and talking missionally about? I would say this. Um, we're looking for what God is already doing. Um, we're not just sort of sitting here in a closed room trying to, uh, you know, research and strategize um, all the things that everybody else needs to do. Um, instead, we're, we're prayerfully saying, hey, Lord, who are some of the the people that you're raising up and what are some of the things that you're cultivating and what are some of the things that you're building? How do we come alongside them and amplify them and connect them and support them? Uh, And I think to me, that's more, that's a more of a kingdom approach. It's more apprenticeship based. It's more relational, but, but we really are looking for um, these new, you know, every, every ministry and missions organization that you've ever heard of, even the big ones, started out as a small community of people with a vision. And I think it's really important to remember that, um, that our biggest charities and our biggest denominations and our biggest movements started out as a small community of people with a, with a God-sized dream. And so uh, that's, that's what we look for. We want to play the long game and say, if we invest in them now, if we support them now, then 
30 years from now, 50 years from now, 100 years from now, who knows what, what fruit could come from this little, this little ministry, this little movement. Um, and so we're, we're typically looking for, you know, um, innovative forms of evangelization or innovative forms of disciple making, or innovative forms of kind of um, prayer and worshipful communities or, or innovative forms even of leadership formation or theological development. Uh, and, and just saying, how can we come alongside those um, and, and help them? Both, both the leader, but also the, the venture, the organizational um, kind of structure underneath it. You know, how many of us have seen well-intended people that, um, that kind of crash on the rocks of, of bad organization? And, and so I think that's really important. I think it's important to help provide structure. Um, and I would say the other key variable here is that we live in an age of rapidly um, evolving uh, media and technology you know, in the landscape. And so one of the things I see is a lot of people that are um, integrating technology and integrating media uh, to build communities from the ground up. Now, look, there's liabilities in that, but there's liabilities in everything else too. And so there's just different sorts of liabilities. And so we, we also come alongside a lot of people that we see building new um, apps or online communities or, um, or are integrating digital community inside of their live physical, you know, communities as well. And people that just kind of have a kind of a native intuition for how to do that. Maybe they're next generation leaders or something like that. Um, and saying, hey, hold on, let's not make this about, you know, um, platform. Let's make this about discipleship. Let's make this about community. And, uh, and we're finding a lot of fruit with, um, with those types of projects um, as well. And so, I mean, maybe, you know, for some specifics, we've had... Um, you know, uh, an amazing discipleship community here in New York, um, working with early career women who moved to the city for the first time, trying to really capture them in their first couple of years as they're trying to work on Broadway or work in marketing or whatever, um, and just really try to form them and, and place them in a healthy community um, in their first couple of years in New York. Uh, we work for the project um, in the UK where um, they're doing short form videos for Instagram um, to really help speak to people that are right on the edge of falling out of church. You know, maybe they've just said, I've kind of had enough of this. Uh, but these videos are targeted directly to them speaking about hope and speaking about um, kind of authentic stories of, of life and faith. Um, you know, I've got, uh, I've got a friend here in the States who's building um, a community for pastors of large churches, um, trying to help do prehab, which, you know, is basically rehab before you blow your life up. Because we know that if a pastor of a large church... Um, has a moral failure that it can be really, really, really painful. And so one of the things this guy's doing is starting a new community to help these pastors of large churches get away and go on adventure trips with other like-minded leaders and get ahead of some of the stuff that's in their heart before it, um, before it blows up. You know, those are three small examples, but we have a, we have a portfolio of about 40 projects now like that, that we've been working on over the past two or three years. And they're all stepping into a problem space that they don't see anybody else stepping into. They're stepping into a call that they feel like they've had from the Lord. You know, all, all missional work starts with a call, start, starts with a burden and ascending an invitation. I would like you to go to these people and love them and invest in them and care for them. And so we really try to help people identify that. Like, what's the call? What's the burden? Who is this for? This isn't just about you. This is about the, per the people that you're sent to. Um, and I think that that uh, is, is a pretty good frame for what mission looks like. Um, 
And so, yeah, we're just looking for these projects and trying to say, hey, how do we help you get from zero to one and from one to two and from two to 10 in your development journey, uh, you know, in, in the best way possible? And so you you would journey over several years, wouldn't you? You'd have a kind of group together. You'd meet up. I don't know how often you'd meet uh, and, and what kind of content would be uh, covered within those yeah. meetings. Yeah, so we've designed essentially a one-year intensive fellowship program. Uh, we call it our accelerator. Um, and this is our primary uh, program that we've designed to step into this um, space. The accelerator is for about 12 to 15 um, ventures, and they all have to be in their first, let's say, three to five years of existence. Um, they can't be too early, they can't be too late. And um, we walk them through a very intentional year of intensive development on how to tell their story. You know, m- most of them would be uh, nonprofits or charities in their organizational structure. And so knowing how to tell their story is a, is a critical competency for them. Um, we spend some time on their organizational model, helping them think through, um, you know, what they're trying to build and why and where and how. Uh, we spend quite a bit of time um, helping them work through their own leadership, uh, both practical leadership and spiritual leadership. It's really important to um, do deep work on your heart and on your life. Um, and then we try to give them tools for um, for entrepreneurship and say, how do you take take an idea? How do you take a community? Uh, and build it and and multiply and replicate and sustain yourself and and kind of have a a logic around all of that stuff. Um, we do that through three intensive gatherings in three different cities. We typically will do New York, London slash Oxford and San Francisco. There's different pockets of people in each of those worlds. We bring in a lot of mentors, world-class leaders from the church, world-class leaders from um, ministry and missions, world-class leaders from the philanthropic uh, sector, even the even the investing sector for some of our for-profit projects. Um, and we just do a lot of mentorship. We want the, to expose our fellows to as many wise voices as possible um, in a short amount of time. Um, we do a lot of hands-on coaching, a lot of hands-on um, organizational support. And then we also give them a chance to pitch, like startup style, um, pitch the project and the vision that they're working on uh, to various rooms of people to give them a chance to amplify their work and to uh, to invite other people to participate and contribute and maybe fund or pray or support what they're doing. Um, and we found that that's like a, a really fun, really energizing, really hopeful thing to do. You know, it's really amazing to sit in a room and have 12 people stand up in a row and each give you a four minute pitch of the God dream that they have. Um, and so that's one of the things we do. That's a lot of fun. And then to your last, to your earlier point after the program, they graduate into our larger community. And in that community, we're giving them ongoing support, connecting them to mentors, connecting them to funders, uh, supporting them organizationally, and helping connect them to peers, um, to one another, praying for them, supporting them, and just trying to build a really robust community of practice of missional leaders. That sounds fabulous, uh, Tyler. Um, How do you fund yourself within this? I mean, is it uh, what you, the old style tent making type things? Are you able to um do or is it does it is it income generating the kind of work you do no you know i've done a bit of tent making um we started out as with a bit of a consultancy arm and we Mm. came alongside some larger ministries and church networks and stuff but you know ultimately i decided i felt for myself this isn't prescriptive 
I felt for myself that I didn't want to have my energy split between doing a consultancy and then also serving the, the ventures that I wanted to serve. And the reality is, is that the, the ventures that I want to serve are early stage. They're quote unquote startups. And so, you know, a consultancy model doesn't work with them. Um, now we do ask them to pay to be a part of the program, at least for now, because it shows a sense of buy-in and a sense of, of kind of participation. And, and I do think that you need to be able to um, cast vision and raise funding if you're going to be, if you're going to lead a, um, you know, a ministry or a charity of some sort, but it's not, it's not enough to, uh, to pay the bills for us. No, uh, we've decided to be um, a not-for-profit organization. And I basically am going to, um, you know, major givers, family offices, foundations, um, in the States, at least there, there is a lot of capital uh, that still goes to supporting um, mission and ministry. I think we all know that. And um, I'm basically trying to step into that space and say, hey, we are trying to work on the cutting edge. We're trying to be innovative. We're trying to equip um, the projects that are going to shape the future or shape the next generation. And um, we think that you should come alongside us and help us do that. And to the extent that I'm able to invite them, not just into a financial contribution, but also into a community, um, our community, uh, that, that seems to work pretty well. People like to be up close with some of the things that God is doing next. Um, and so, and, and the other beautiful thing about this is that it's, um, is that it's a very impactful model. I mean, for with me and my small little team, um, you know, we can launch 10, 15, 20 ventures a year for not very, for not very much money. And I, so I think there's a lot of, um, just if you want to think through, think about it that way, there's a lot of, uh, um, potential for impact, um, through, a a small um, kind of high leverage little program. Uh, and so that's, that's kind of how we think about it. So, yeah. So just as uh, someone might feel gifted to, or uh, called to support a mission or project overseas, they will come to you and say, well, you're, you know, you're doing stuff in the, both in the U S and overseas as well. We'll support you because we believe in your mission or work. Yeah. Yeah, that's right. That's right. You've got connections with the UK. You mentioned London and Oxford. Uh, is this early days for your UK base, or is there are there things that we may have not know, known about that's already existing? Uh, in terms of the UK, well, you know, um, New York and London obviously are um, very connected, kind of sister cities in many ways, and so there's a lot of just relational connections between the two that have made over the years. Um, also, uh, I've had a chance to work really, really closely with Alpha over the years. Um, okay. we're, a, we're a strong Alpha church. My wife was uh, employed by Alpha USA for a number of years. So, oh, okay. so the Alpha network um, has been a big um, background for me relationally. Um, for, you know, a number of the, the pastor kind of networks and friendships that I've worked in. is And, and Alpha, I think, actually represents um, a phenomenally compelling picture of um of an emerging ministry that just kind of was birthed organically out of something that god was doing and then has just been really fruitful and really really remarkably um impactful globally over now 30 years or so so i think even just holding them up quickly as an example um you know uh launching the next the next alphas i think is a big part of the the dream or the hope here but to your point on on the uk um 
Yeah, I think I think the UK is obviously very important um, to me and to us. There's so much rich, rich um, intellectual history, Christian history, mission history. Um, it's also such a um, a global hub. Uh, I think that you know my hope here is not that we're just launching cool new projects into the American church or into the English church. I think there's already a lot of that. I think it's um, I think we genuinely want to want to have a global conversation. Um, and equip leaders for the missional challenges in their context um, around the world. And so I think part of that is that we need to have some uh, some hubs where we can do some training and do some work and connect with some people. Uh, and so New York and London are kind of our two two strongest ones right now. We have um, a small hub in, in Vancouver, Canada as well. Um, and... And we'll see where we go from there. We're only about a about a two or three year old organization, so we're pretty small ourselves. Well, if someone's interested, how would they get in touch? What would their their pathway be to connecting with you? Yeah, sure. If um, if anybody listening is a uh, would call themselves a missional leader that has um, a vision or an imagination for a thing that they want to build to advance the gospel and make disciples and renew the church, we would love to help you figure out how to build it. And uh, so our accelerator program, uh, basically the applications for that program open in early March. So they're coming up in about a month, they'll open up. Then we'll make our selections over the spring and summer and then kick off the program um, in the fall around August, September. Uh, So, um, you know, feel free to apply for that. Even if you're not at the right stage or the right timing, I'd still love to know about you. So please get in touch. Um, obviously funders, uh, we're building a community of, of givers and supporters who want to invest in a new missions model, um, churches, pastors, we're building a, a community of pastors and churches that want to think this way as well. Um, and, uh, and we're just always looking to connect with friends and make new friends. Um, the best way to reach us is just through our website, missionallabs.co. Um, and you can reach us, you can reach us there. My email is Tyler at, um, and so. We're, we're pretty easy to find. Well, Tyler, it's been thrilling to chat with you and, and discover a little bit more about this amazing venture. And um, thank you so much for your time. Yeah, thank you. Uh, really, really appreciate getting to chat with you. It was great to chat with Tyler Breeb. Uh, his surname is spelled P-R-I-E-B. The founder of Missional Labs based in uh, New York City. But as he said... Uh, travels widely including to London. Uh, Exciting to hear what God is doing outside of what we might call uh, traditional church to build up disciples. Uh, If this appeals at all, his website again is missionallabs, or one word, missionallabs.co and you can find out more about the different elements of his program uh, and connect with him and find out more from him if you wish. Uh, In this fast-moving world, and there's some struggle with traditional church, then maybe this parallel kingdom track is going to be of significance going forward. So this is Andy Peck thanking you for your company and look forward to the next time. Bye for now. You've been listening to The Profile in association with Premier Christianity magazine.